Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. Um, we've been in Ephesians for four weeks. We've covered two verses. Um, so if you have missed four weeks, um, you can catch up quickly on, uh, on your reading. Um, but I do want to actually, uh, last week I wanted to give you some homework. Um, teenagers, if you're listening, it's not homework. It's like fun work. Don't worry about it. But, um, but I want to give you some homework just to, just to because we're studying a wor- the word together, we're studying a book together, it makes sense for us to be reading it together. For us actually to set aside time each, each week and for us to be reading something. And yes, we're not coming together in this building reading it. But as a community, if we are reading something and God is speaking to us, he will speak through all of us and begin to do a work in us as a community. Here's the beautiful thing. Uh, actually, we live in a very individualistic world. But actually, God's called us into community, a deep community. Not just like a Canadian style of community where I see you on Sunday and I'm like, hey, how are you, brother? Um, but actually one where we care about each other and we share each other's burdens. And, and, and it's actually kind of messy and, and, and ugly, but it, it's beautiful at the same time. And this is what Jesus has called us into. Um, and so here's what I want us to do. Here's the homework. So first, if you are a family or married couple or you're single, I'm gonna ask you to read the book of Ephesians right through. Because remember, when we study the word of God, here's, here's what we do so often. We actually just like cut it up into snippets because there's headings and that's what we do. And, and that's helpful. It's helpful for us to know what's going on. But, but actually the letter was written by Paul, a person, to a community, actual people, and it was a letter. Have you ever received a letter and just opened it up and been like, to Alex, wow, that was just, <sighs> I'm just so touched right now that it was to me. Are you gonna finish it? No, I'm gonna come back tomorrow. That was enough. <sighs> Who's it from? I don't even know yet. It's just to me, right? Like this, but this is how we read the Bible. So I'm gonna ask you, this week, at one point, sit down together as a family or as a couple or maybe as a group of friends, sit down and read it as a letter and envision. I want you to envision what happened was Tychicus, yeah, funny name, and he brought a letter to a church and then he read it out loud to the whole church. So I want you to think of it like that as you read it. And then what I want you to do is this week's passage is verse three to 14, I know, Crazy, right? We're gonna go all the, we're gonna do 14, well, actually 11 verses um, in, in a week. It's gonna be crazy. I hope to get through it. I have 11 points. Don't worry, I get paid by the point, so it's good. Um, have you ever been labeled before? Like somebody's labeled you something and it's, it's kind of defined you. Or maybe, maybe for you, you labeled yourself something and you've held on to it. Well, I can remember in grade six, um, I, was, I was a pretty rough kid, if you can believe it, living in Oakville, super rough. Um, went into private school, very rough. Um, and so I was just living my life. I, I really just loved sports. Classes got in the way and 
the rest is history. But um, I was just doing my normal thing and I remember getting called down to the principal's office. Now this was somewhat routine for me, so not a big deal. I was like, okay, as long as my mom was the gym teacher, the big deal was I didn't wanna see my mom. If my mom saw me, I was dead. She's a strong English woman. I'd rather the six foot six principal. It's good, three, three five English woman or six foot six principal. I'll take the principal all day long. And so I was, I was going there and then, I, but it was weird. I got called down to the library and I knew it wasn't for reading. Um, and so I go down there and I'm not kidding. The entire board, the two vice principals, my mom and the principal is there. I'm like, oh, I'm dead. What's gonna happen is this is actually an inquisition and they're gonna kill me at the end of it. That's what's gonna happen. And so I sit there and lit I'm not even kidding. For the next hour, they just blast me. And I have no idea what, what, what is happening. They just like, here's what you're doing, all the things wrong. And I'm picking up nothing because I'm just so terrified. And my mom, the worst part about it, I'm, a, I'm from a single family, so my, my mom is, is my main caregiver and she is in tears. And I'm like, oh, I'm the worst son in the world. Not only am I in trouble, but I'm like terrible son. And so we leave and my mom is in tears driving me home and I'm in tears, like snot's going down, it's bad. And I, lit, I, I go, I, she's like, she's just ripping into me. And I'm, I'm like, I don't know what I did. And she's like, what? I'm like, I don't know what I did. She's like, we were just sitting there for an hour and a half. How do you not know what you're, I'm like, I don't know. Why are people yelling at me? <laughs> so I actually never found out. I just apologized because that was way easier than trying to figure it out when I was a kid. I didn't find out till I was 18 years old. I was over at my friend's house. We had, he had come to our school and then he, his mom was a teacher, but they had left and then we, we got to be friends again in high school. And she's like, oh, Alex, remember you got in so much trouble? I'm like, yeah, I do. She's like, oh, that was so crazy. I'm like, yeah, I have no idea why I got in trouble. She's like, you don't? I'm like, no. She's like, oh, really? She's almost like happy about it. I'm like, this, this was like really hurtful to me. She's like, oh, you were in trouble because you were starting a gang. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, they thought you were starting a gang. I said, in Oakville? In a private school? And my mom was the gym teacher? In grade six. What kind of gang is this? They said, yeah, you were telling people that the only way to get into the gang was to not do your homework. Now that's a bad gang. I might join that gang in <laughs> retrospect. But the crazy thing was I was labeled with this. I had no idea what was going on, but it shaped my life. Like that moment tra changed me. I went from like a 60 student to like a high 80 student because they were like, you're on probation and you'll be kicked out of school. I'm like, what? So I like started paying attention and doing my homework and, and I got kicked out of the gang. But, um, <laughs> but it was crazy. Like I they actually thought I was trying to start a gang in grade six in Oakville at a private school. But I was thinking about this passage and I was realizing so often, aren't we labeled with things in our lives and we don't really understand them? But it, one of the best things that we're labeled with that we don't really understand because it means so many things to so many people is Christian, right? 
And so Paul, in this passage, he actually tells us what it means to be a Christian. And so let's go ahead and read that. Verse three, if you're with me, it's Ephesians one, verse three. Week five, yep. (laughs) All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, he loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him good pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his son or his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Verse eight, he has shown his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves us, you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own. But giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago, the Spirit, he guarantee, the Spirit is, is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Lord, we, uh, we unpack your word. What we want right now is we do not just want intellect. We don't just want to know more What we want is to be transformed by your word. So what we do is we we humble ourselves before your lordship. We place ourselves under you, Jesus. You are the head of this church. We have no agenda. There is no name that is above your name. You, Jesus, are our focus and we love you. You are everything to us. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we see he actually never uses the word Christian, but he explains very well what Christian is. Do you know the Bible actually only uses Christian three times? But it says in Christ 216 times. Do you know why somebody says something 216 times? Because it's important. Also, they think you might forget, so they wanna say it a lot. Good for us. In this passage, from 1 to 14, Paul says it 15 times. 
He says, in Christ, in him, in the beloved, in the dear son, depending on your translation. So here's the other part of our homework. We're gonna read from verse three to verse 14, what I just read, and I want you to highlight, circle, underline, whatever you feel like you need to do to let, see how many times it says in Christ or in him or united with him, depending on your translation. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna actually look at what did Paul mean? Because that is a really churchy thing to say, right? We are in Christ, brother. Like, but it's like, what does that, what does that mean? Like, what is the, what is, what's the, What's the application for my life? And so we're gonna look at what it means to be in Christ. And, and so we're gonna look at three different things. First, we're gonna go to Jesus. The first is this, we get a perfect picture of what it means to be in Christ. Turn with me to John 15. Jesus gives us just a great picture of what it means to be in Christ. He says this, John 15, verse one through five. I am the true vine. That was not dramatic, pause. I heard Pate just turning. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, or your translation may say, abide in me, and I will remain or abide in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain or abide in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can accomplish nothing. Here's what I've been taught as a Christian. I don't know if I was taught it necessarily from a sermon, but from actions and growing up in Christian community all my life, here's what I was taught. You want to be in Christ, you want to be a good Christian, try harder, man. Stop sinning. Don't look at that girl that way. Stop doing that, stop starting a gang. Come on, man, just try harder. You're not trying hard enough. If you would read more, if you would attend youth group, if you would date Christian girls, if you would this, this, or this, then you could be what you were hoping for. Interesting, Jesus doesn't. You know what Jesus says of you? It's so beautiful. It's so wonderful. It's like, I want you to know you are valuable. You are so important. You are equal to a branch. <laughs> That's what you're worth to me. It's so good. You're like, what? That's not a nice verse. I want one of the nice verses that's like, you're amazing. It's like, no, no, no. I need you to understand something. You're a branch. The purpose of a branch can be two things, really. You can be connected to the source and do what you're meant to do and be wonderful and everyone will love you because you'll produce fruit and everyone loves that and they need to be sustained by that. Or you can divide from me 
and your purpose is firewood. That's your choice. This is awesome. This is great because here's what the Bible's saying. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You're like, what? That's insulting. Listen, do you know what I have accomplished? Jesus says, eh, means nothing. In regards to the kingdom, outside of Christ, it means nothing if you're not connected to the source. But here's the beautiful thing. The world says, try harder, be better. Jesus says, be with me. And when you're with me, then you'll be who you're created to be. And the promise is, oh, the promise is if you stop striving, if you stop trying harder and what you do is submit to Christ, oh, here's what happens. What you were hoping, fruit, fruit will be produced. And the greatest thing is that you don't have to do anything. I use this analogy all the time. You have never gone to an apple farm. You've never gone to a vineyard. You've never gone to a peach farm. Sure, we'll go with an orange farm. And you've never been like, that is my branch. <laughs> right here, I picked this branch. This is my branch. Don't touch it, it's mine. I love it so much. Just me, it means so much to me. Like if someone did this, you'd be like, maybe the tree, like you planted the tree when you were a baby and it grew, it's pretty cool. But no one says that about a branch because the source of it is what matters. And Jesus is very clear, you're not the source. Oh, how we wish we were, right? I wish I was my source, I wish it. People could come to me and I'd be like, I'm awesome, I have your answers. You need it? But that's not me, I don't have answers. Jesus has answers, he's our source. So to be in Christ, here's what Jesus is saying. You must abide, remain in me, and I must remain in you. Uh, let's use a picture, be a branch connected to a tree. That's how you know. What a great image. How do you know if you're connected to the source? Well, you are dead to yourself and connected to him. The branch has no, no individual purpose outside of being connected to him. Wow, can you imagine being at that place where your purpose is so rooted in Christ? So Jesus gives us that picture and that helps us. But then Paul gives us something, the team. How many of you guys remember picking teams when you were kids? You know, line them up. You know, you don't wanna be the last one. It's like you and, yeah, you can, you can have them all. You can, they can go on your team. <laughs> right, like, like we all remember that. And, and Paul actually teaches us that there are two teams. And there are only two teams. Now in our individualistic culture, we would love to say that there are many ways, there are so many teams, there are. No, Paul very clearly tells us there's two. And God is very clear that he sees it as you are on one team or the other. So what are the teams? It's team Adam and team Jesus. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15. 21, verse 22. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, 15, 22, 21 and 22. And Paul's talking about this exact thing. He says, you see, just as death came into the world through a man, 
speaking of Adam, now resurrection from the dead has begun through another man, Jesus. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. So it's clear, Paul's teaching us, there's team Adam, which we're all born into, or team Jesus. Now, when you're picking a team, have you ever like had a job opportunity and you get two opportunities? Or you're, you're, no, you're maybe good at sports, so you have like a couple opportunities to play at different places? What do you do? You start assessing what is the best team for you. Whatever you say, if winning is the most, then how, how good is this team? Maybe making money is the thing. So how much do you pay me and how much can I make? How big can this company get? We start assessing which team is better. So let's use our assessment of what is a better team. In Romans 5, 18, you can turn with me if you want or it's gonna be on the screen. It says this, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. Let's keep score. That's, I don't think that's good for Adam. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. So let's keep score. Adam's one act leads us into sin and death. I don't like this team. This is like not the team I wanna be on. A little dysfunctional, a little hurtful in the end. What's the other team? Oh, the other team, oh, in Jesus, you have life and freedom from sin. Oh, yes. Like, is there an option? This is what Paul's saying. He's saying, it's clear as day. I need you to know. God is downloading to Paul and he's writing it saying, there are two teams in the world and you need to decide. What team are you on? No one else gets to decide it for you. Your mom doesn't get to decide it for you. Your spouse doesn't get to decide it for you. You decide it for yourself. Are you team Adam or team Jesus? See, he says it like this. You are either in Christ. You have all been born into Adam. You've all been born into sin. Or you choose, walk into being in Christ. Okay, so we see the picture, we see the team, but if you're like me, that's that, like it's good, but it doesn't really help me understand what's going on. Like I'm like, cool, I wanna be on Team Jesus, Team Adam seems like a bummer, um, and I'm a branch, so I wanna be connected to the source, not firewood. Cool, okay, I got this, but it's not, a lot of times we preach things, right, and we're like, yes, we want to do this, but we leave church and we go, oh, Someone's like, so, are you a Christian? Yep, I'm a branch, bro. <laughs> like, cool. You wanna play? No, I'm team Christ, bro. Not gonna be on your team, Adam. Like, yeah, my name's Adam. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, 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 this is how we actually work it out, but what's the next step? And, and here's what Paul does in this passage, verse three through 14. He gives us a picture of who you are in Christ. Because sometimes the best thing to do is actually to let us know, okay, here's how I tell you, you are in Christ. Here's what your life will look like. Here's who you are in Christ. So let's go. We have a number of things to go through. 
So first, he talks about your identity. He wants you to know who you are. Verse three, he says, you are blessed. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Now, that translation says united with Christ because they want to let you know that you are united with Christ. Um, literal translations will say in Christ because you are in Christ. Like he is in you and you are in him. Remember the vine, you're connected. And he says this, when you are in Christ, you'll know this because your life is blessed. And you'll be like, easy, my life is falling apart. I'm not in Christ, great. Right, like how many of us act like this? Like we're driving, we're like looking for a parking spot at Christmas time and it's slammed, the mall's slammed and then one opens up right by the door and we're like, ha, blessed and highly favored. Ha, 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 woo, I am blessed. And we go inside, come out and there's somebody's put a dent in our car. Ah, devil! Like, what? Really? That's, but that's what we do. That's what we think of blessing. So I'm blessed if I'm rich and I have lots of things. I mean, he's not saying that you won't have financial blessing, but he's not saying that, like, let's read it. It says, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. He wants to be clear that you don't become materialistic. It's not name it and claim it. I want that Ferrari. It's mine. Woo! Right? But that's what it's become sometimes. No, no, no. This is talking about, it's not saying you can't be. It's not like money is the problem. It's not like things are the issue. Your heart's the issue. He's saying you are blessed. And when you're in Christ, Here's the beauty of it. You are blessed regardless of your situation. See, here's what it means. It means when I get that parking spot, I happen to be blessed. When my car is dented, I am blessed. I just have a dented car. When I get blessed by someone and someone drops off an envelope at my house and I'm able to pay my mortgage when I'm going through a hard time, Man, God is faithful and he's blessed me. But when I am in the worst of my situations, I get a diagnosis that I don't know how to answer. I am blessed because Christ is with me and I am in Christ. Our circumstance doesn't dictate if we are blessed. When we are in Christ, that is when we are blessed because Christ is for us. So who can be against us? But here's what it says. It says, you are blessed with all spiritual blessings. I'm like, yes. What does that mean? Right, like I just wanna know. Like you keep using these vague, open-ended, I wanna know. And so here's what he does. He actually begins to list things. He, now he's not giving you the whole list, but here's what he's doing. This, this passage, we read it in the English. It has punctuation, it has um, dividing up of, of letters, but you need to know in the original Greek, when Paul is penning this out or when he is dictating to the person that writes it, here's what he's doing. He starts off by saying, oh, we're so blessed. And then he gets so amped up, so excited that he can't actually stop. And if you're an English professor, I'm really sorry because here's what's gonna happen. It should be just a big old run-on sentence. He can't even take a breath. He's so excited. 
He's my kind of guy. Um, and he gets so jacked up that he just keeps on saying things. Here's, what I'm, here's why you're so blessed. And so here's where he starts. If you're a Calvinist, you're gonna love this. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. You are chosen. You are chosen. Here's the crazy thing, and I'm not gonna go down this road and talk to you about here's where the stances are on predestination and Calvinism and Arminianism and, and fight it out and spend hours. You can go on Google. There are hours of videos. Please go for it. But I need you to know something. I have no problem with studying and believing the word of God and digging in deep, but maybe if we dug in deep to the first part that he says there, maybe it would express itself so much deeper than just our head knowledge fighting over who's right. Because here's what he says, and we jump over that and we focus on the predestination stuff. Here's what God says. He says, God loved you so much. He chose you in Christ. Have you ever been chosen? Or how about this? Have you ever not been chosen? Have you ever put yourself up for something and like been rejected? It's not a cool thing to go through. I remember I'm sitting in this car with one of, one of like my mentors, somebody I look up to as a pastor, and he's telling me about how he's starting this mentoring pastoring group. And I'm like, cool, you know what? I'm gonna take a step out. Even though I grew up without a dad and I have real issues with rejection, I'm a man of God, I can do this, name it and claim it. I'm like, hey, my friend, I would like to be part of that group. Yeah, silence is what happened. I'm like, I'm like, oh, he must have not heard me. So like, I'm not kidding. Like 10 minutes later, I'm like, okay, awkward. He just moved on with the conversation. I'm like, sitting with him. I'm like, I'm gonna do it. I'm a man of God. I can do this. Hey, you know that group you were starting and talking about? Yeah, man. I would love to be a part of it. Love to be mentored by you. I'm not kidding, silence. Not even like, no, it's full right now. Just dead silence. I'm like, yeah, I'm cool. I don't want to anyways. It's for you, <laughs> right? Like, but, but how many of us have been rejected and it hurts so deep in who we are? Because they th we think they see something in us that isn't worthy of love and, and being chosen. Oh, but the maker of heaven and earth, he says, listen, you are so loved that I have chosen you. And here's what's so cool. If we live our lives as chosen, what kind of love and what kind of self-esteem, but it wouldn't be self-esteem. This is why it's different from self-esteem because it's Jesus-esteem, it's not a word, but it's based on Jesus. It's not based on how good you do or how well you perform or how nice you are. What it bases on is Jesus. It, you are rooted in him and built in him. Everything you have is in Jesus and he's chosen you. And what's so great is Jesus is so great and God has chosen you and it's not out of pity. Anybody ever been picked for pity's sake? You know, you're like, oh yeah, you can come on our team. You wanna play? Yeah, 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 sit right over here. Cool, yeah, you play over there. No, 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 that's your position. You're like, oh, great. That's why you picked me. No, 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 he says, I've picked you, blameless, 
and holy. This translation says, without fault. I don't know about you. Anybody ever sinned? No, 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 no. Like, like you sinned and you're so embarrassed of it, if the person next to you knew about it, you would be so ashamed of it. And that moment defines you? Oh, here's what's so great. It says that God knows that and he chose you to be blameless. That doesn't define you. You are holy. Or maybe this. Have you been sinned against? Somebody's hurt you and you have allowed it to define you. And it's, it's the thing that defines you. And you try to hide it from people, but it's so deep inside of you that you can't help but hold on to it as who you are. Jesus needs to know that you have been chosen in him by God and you are holy and blameless. He doesn't define you by that thing. You are defined by him. He's picked you. Man, how would you love if you knew you were chosen? How would you love if you knew you aren't defined by your worst moment in life. How would you love if you weren't defined by someone else who did something to you? What kind of freedom would you have? So in Christ, you are chosen. Then he goes on. If that's not good enough, he says you are chosen and you are adopted. Again, let's not get into the debate, predestined, uh, who's good, who's bad, who's in, who's out. Let's, let's go down all those things. I don't, I don't want to focus on that not right now. What I want to focus on is, do we understand that the God of the universe adopted you and you have been chosen in Christ? In Christ. It's because of Christ that you are adopted. Galatians 3.26 says this, in Christ, you are all sons of God through faith. I love J.I. Packer says this. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he or she makes of the thought of being God's child. Having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his or her worship and prayer, and his whole outlook on life, it means he or she does not understand Christianity very well. Adoption is written into the Roman context. In our context, it's pretty cool. Like, we like it. It's, it's really nice that people adopt. In Roman culture, it's actually equivalent. When you adopt someone, it's the legal equivalent of you having a baby. They are blood to you. There's no difference. They are legally binding your child. Is that not so cool? This is the context that Jesus tells us that we have been adopted by the Father, the creator of heaven and earth. I said this last week, like how hard, what kind of revelation for Paul would that have been? He grew up Jewish. The honor of God was something we have no idea about. And that moment when God opened his eyes and opened his heart to say, hey, I'm not just creator God, I'm actually your father. Man, we need that moment. We need to know that we are adopted and we are absolutely loved. He says, you are chosen, you are adopted. 
He says, you are redeemed and forgiven. It says, he is so, great, so rich in kindness and grace that he has purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. I'm gonna invite the band up on stage. Redemption, the word that they use there, purchased our freedom, is actually one word, redemption. It means deliverance by payment of price. This is specifically used for slaves who have been freed. Specifically used for slaves that have been freed. What's forgiveness mean? Forgiveness means the release of someone from an obligation or debt. Properly translated, it means this, something sent away. Colossians 1, 13 through 14 says this, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Here's what he's saying. You are free. You are not bound by sin. You are not bound by pornography. You are not bound by lust. You are not bound by greed. You are not bound by the thing that you hide from everybody around you. You are free because of Jesus. When you are in Jesus, you are set free. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.